Mr. Turcival had several practices to sell, but only one that he thought quite suitable. It is a death vacancy, said he, at Rochester, a very small practice, and you won't get much out of it, as the late incumbent was an old man, and you are a young man, and you look ten years younger since you shaved off that fine beard and moustache. But it is going for a song, and you can afford to wait, and you couldn't have a more pleasant place to wait in than Rochester. Better go down and have a look at it. I'll write to the local agents, Jap and Bundy, and they will show you the house and effects. What do you say? I said yes, and so favourably was I impressed that the very next day found me in a first-class compartment en route for Rochester, with a substantial portmanteau in the guard's van. At Dartford it became necessary to change, and as I sauntered on the platform waiting for the Rochester train, my attention was attracted to a man who sat somewhat wearily and dejectedly on a bench rolling a cigarette. I was impressed by the swift dexterity with which he handled the paper and tobacco, a dexterity that was explained by the colour of his fingers, which was stained to the hue of mahogany. But my attention was quickly diverted from the colour of the fingers to their shape. They were clubbed fingers. At the moment when I observed the fact, I was looking over his shoulder from behind and could not see his face, but I could see that he had a large pear-shaped head surmounted by an enormous cap, from beneath which a mass of mouse-coloured hair stuck out like untidy thatch. I suppose I must have halted unconsciously, for he suddenly looked round, casting at me a curious, quick, furtive, suspicious glance. He evidently did not recognise me, naturally, since my appearance was so much changed, but I recognised him instantly. He was Mr. Her Husband, and his appearance was not improved since I had last seen him. Inspecting him from the front, I observed that he was sordidly shabby and none too clean, and that his large rough boots were white with dust, as if from a long tramp on the chalky Kentish roads. When the train came in, I watched him saunter to a compartment a few doors from my own, rolling a fresh cigarette as he went, and at each station when we stopped I looked out of the window to see where he got out but he made no appearance until the train slowed down at Rochester when I alighted quickly and strolled towards his compartment. It had evidently been well filled, for a number of passengers emerged before he appeared, contesting the narrow doorway with a stout workman. As he squeezed past, the skirt of his coat caught and was drawn back, revealing a sheath-knife of the kind known to seamen as Green River, attached to a narrow leather belt. I did not like the look of that knife. No landsman had any legitimate use for such a weapon, and the fact that this man habitually carried about him the means of inflicting lethal injuries, for it had no other purpose, threw a fresh light, if any were needed, on the sinister events of that memorable night in the quiet house near Regent's Park. 